The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the available lines ahead of the college basketball tournament on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back, Buffalo Bills fans. It's Matt Warren, editor-in-chief at buffalorumblings.com and host of Buffalo Rumblings Q&A. Thanks again for tuning in after this crazy initial wave of free agency for the Buffalo Bills. I'm a little bit stuffed up today, so if you hear me sniffling, that's the reason. Um, But as we get into the show, I wanted to remind you how you can contact us. Our phone number is 716-508-0405. You can call and leave a message 24 hours a day, seven days a week on our voicemail line. You can tweet at us at rumblingsq&a, and that's with the word and spelled out in the middle. You can email us at buffalorumblings at sbnation.com. You can leave comments in the comment section of our show notes post at buffalorumblings.com. There's lots of ways to get in touch with us. And of course, as we get into more free agency and then the draft and then kind of the next wave of free agency after the draft as they fill out the depth spots on their roster, we uh, totally love to hear from your your questions and answer those. This week, uh, because of the short turnaround time, uh, we're recording this on Wednesday as the Bills have been signing guys and agreeing to terms with guys, I guess is the better way to say it during the legal tampering period. And uh, we wanted to be as kind of on the ball as we possibly could. So not really taking questions this week. We're just going to kind of do an editorial version of the podcast and just go through the bills, free agent signings up until this point. Like I said, we're recording on Wednesday afternoon. So right as the official free agency period uh, is opening. So if something happens after you know, we record, I reserve the right to have no idea what's going on because it's in the future for me right now. As we've been talking about for the last few weeks, getting ready for free agency and looking ahead to the draft, we've discussed the importance of helping Josh Allen this offseason. And the Bills certainly went out and addressed that in their free agent signing, signing eight players with, I think, seven of them on offense. And we'll go through all of them in a little bit. But I really wanted to commend Brandon Bean on his plan going into free agency this year. And of course, every decision he's made to get to this point, um, it really proves that he has a long-term vision and he's able to successfully complete that vision and and put the people around Josh Allen and around the Bills roster um, in order to succeed. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to, of course, 
Uh, Josh Allen could still fall flat on his face, but I mean, they've put him in the best possible situation. They've got offensive linemen. They've got a tight end and wide receivers and running backs. And just as many people, the veteran quarterbacks that they signed, the offensive coordinator, just guys that are around Josh Allen to help him become the best player he can be. And we'll see how far that takes them, but they've done everything that they said they were going to do. And we've talked about how barren the bills offense was over the course of the 2018 season. And right now it is not barren. They have spent a ton of money to upgrade it. I still see a few needs that they need to take care of, but they've got guys coming in on Wednesday afternoon into Thursday and They've got the 2019 NFL draft coming up, so I'm confident that they'll be able to take care of those problems either before they become big problems or in some way that'll actually address the need that the Bills have. So let's get on to our first guy. If you've been listening to our podcast for the last few weeks, we've been saying over and over again that the number one priority for the Bills heading into free agency was at center. And the Bills made a splash on the first day, signing the most expensive center in the NFL uh, to a a multi-year contract. Mitch Morse, the Kansas City Chiefs center who hit the free agent market, uh, was the guy that the Bills decided to pick. Uh, Matt Paradis, the other guy we had been looking at, ended up with the Carolina Panthers on a much cheaper deal that makes you wonder about his um, some of his medical concerns. But the Bills weren't able to bring in Paradis and look at his uh, broken leg and look at his medical stuff because it was just the legal tampering period and you're not allowed to bring in players to actually look at them and go through that kind of stuff. So there must be something else going on with, with Paradis, which is why he signed for such a small deal with the Carolina Panthers. But, but back to Morris, the guy the Bills actually signed, uh, he gets a, a very steep contract. Uh, there's $20 million in fully guaranteed money uh, spread out over the first couple of years of his deal. He's definitely going to see the first two years of that deal, 2019 and 2020. And it's really likely he's going to see 2021 as well. Um, they would save money on the cap if they did that, if they cut him after 2020. Uh, but, I mean, they gave him a ton of money over the course of the first two years of this deal. Uh, Morse is a very good pass-blocking center. He's really athletic. Um, he moves very well. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure he's going to be, you know, like blocking linebackers out on the edge if he pulls or something like that. Not all the time, at least. But, you know, he's very good on the inside with his lateral movement from side to side, he's got a good punch. And as Jeff Kontrowski showed in our all 22 uh, analysis of Mitch Morse, he's able to use one hand to, to make a nice block and then also have that other hand free and available to help out the guys around him. And that's really what I was looking for in a center, not necessarily the one hand to help, but the guy that's going to be able to help the guards around him. And of course, Josh Allen behind him set protections and just get into the right line call as, um, as the play is beginning. And Russell Bodine for all of his experience, wasn't talented enough to actually execute the play after maybe putting guys in the right position. I don't know, but with a young guy, Wyatt Teller, right now at least, slotted into the left guard spot. It's interesting that 
um, that, that they're getting, they're spending the money on the veteran to kind of help him out. Now, they could end up slotting in a new guard John Feliciano as one of the starting guards. Maybe um, you would think that on the other side is going to be Spencer Long taking one of those spots just based on how much money they paid him. So there's a lot of uncertainty right now about who is starting on the offensive line. And we'll get to that a little bit later, but you can definitely slot Morse in at the center spot. And I couldn't be happier. Um, He's got a concussion history. He has, you know, warts just like everybody else has on, on their resume going into free agency, or most people do going into free agency. The biggest concern would be he's only played in 18 games over the last two seasons with two different injuries. He had a foot injury that cost him games in 2017. He had a concussion that cost him games in 2018. Hopefully those are behind him and he can come on to the Bills and play 16 full games in 2019, just like he's done before in the first two years of his NFL career. The next player I want to talk about is cornerback Kevin Johnson. I had said that my priorities for free agency were center and then cornerback. And of course the bills went out and signed a former first round pick uh, Kevin Johnson to come in and either compete with Levi Wallace for that second uh, outside cornerback slot or to be the primary backup at a position of need. And the bills went through four or five, maybe even six outside cornerbacks in 2018 So it was important that they solidified the depth between um, Levi Wallace and Trey White and a guy like Lafayette Pitts, you know? So, like, it's it's not that they needed somebody that could come in and, like, be a first-tier starter right now. They just needed to be better than Ryan Lewis. Like Morse, Johnson comes with a very extensive injury history, but... Johnson's injury history is actually more concerning. He was shut down in 2018 by the Houston Texans because of two concussions within three or four weeks of each other, and he just wasn't feeling right. He says he's been cleared by doctors, and obviously the Bills doctors have cleared him because they signed him. Buffalo actually announced this signing because Johnson had been released early. He didn't have to wait for his contract to expire on Wednesday, but he had uh, two concussions in 2018 that shut him down he actually had another concussion in 2017 where he missed no games but had a concussion in week 11 of 2017 season prior to that he sprained his mcl and the year before that he had a, a liz liz frank uh fracture in his foot uh in 2015 it was a wrist fracture and a jones fracture in his foot and wrist so he's Oft injured, but you're talking about one, two, three broken bones and an MCL sprain and then a bunch of concussions. And the concussions obviously are concerning, but when the Bills sign him at a one-year deal and aren't counting on him to be the guy at cornerback necessarily, then I think it's a smart move. And they were able to bring in a guy that's talented but has big, big, big question marks about his health. So if they can bring him in for a one-year deal and provide – a little bit of a push for Levi Wallace and a little bit of an insurance policy for Levi Wallace or if Trey White gets hurt or something like that, then I think it's a good move. We haven't seen contract numbers for Johnson yet. So, I mean, I obviously reserve the right to think that they overpaid him, but for right now, it's 
it's going to be good having the cornerback position kind of where it is going into the NFL draft, and they can maybe add a depth corner at some point. Johnson started 18 games for the Texans, 10 in his first season, and then 3-4-1 because of those injuries that we talked about earlier. He's got one career interception, uh, 14 passes defended, and one fumble recovery that he took back 53 yards. Um, He's got good tackle numbers for when he's in the game. He's got good numbers when he plays. The problem is he just hasn't been able to stay on the field. Buffalo's defensive backs coach, John Butler, was with Johnson for the first couple years of his career with the Houston Texans. Hopefully they can work together and Johnson can stay on the field for the Bills now. My next priority on the free agency front was defensive end. And while the Bills haven't signed a defensive end yet, they have Ezekiel Ansah coming in for a visit on Thursday, according to John Waro of the Associated Press. It would make sense that they're not agreeing to a contract with Ansah before free agency opens. They want to get him in and do some medical checks on him. Buffalo is also rumored to be in on the trade market for Kansas City Chiefs pass rusher D. Ford. He ended up going to the San Francisco 49ers. So it at least looks like the Bills are going to be looking at adding a pass rusher at some point, whether it's in free agency or the draft. They really need a pass rusher looking at the future. Jerry Hughes is one year left on his deal. Shaq Lawson is one year left on his deal. Eddie Arborough fall fell off as the season progressed. Mike Love is probably not a guy you want to be depending on. And then they have Trent Murphy, who didn't really generate a great pass rush in 2014. So they need to add some pass rushers, preferably ones that are good uh, and have a lot of talent to either replace Jerry Hughes or compliment him if uh, Buffalo is able to work out some sort of either franchise tag with him, which obviously they wouldn't have to work out, but or if they were able to work out um, a contract extension with the soon-to-be 31-year-old uh, pass rusher. It's not like they want to guarantee him a whole ton of money and give him like a four-year deal to get him to like age 36 or something like that. So it's going to be a tricky contract to negotiate. So they do want to protect themselves by adding someone either in free agency or the draft. And I still expect them to do that. We'll be right back after this break. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. The next need I wanted the Bills to address was at the tight end position where they only had Jason Kroom on the roster. They went out and signed Cincinnati Bengals tight end Tyler Croft, who missed a good chunk of the season last year with an injury of his own. And they signed him to a pretty decent-sized contract. They're going to be paying him $2.4 million in the signing bonus, plus another two point one in a roster bonus, and then another almost $2 million in salary. So more than $6 million in the first year of the deal. 
but they can get out of it after that really easily. So it's it's a good hedged contract. His um, about six point two five million dollars in each season, and they can get out of it after both the first and second season relatively easily. So I'm definitely on board with this sign. He's a guy that can come in and show, um, you know, show a rookie or Jason Kroom the ropes. Uh, he can be a good addition for and a safety valve for Josh Allen. I still hope that the Bills add one, maybe two guys in the draft, and really up the talent level at that position. Tyler Croft isn't going to preclude them from drafting a tight end, whether it's in the first or second round or even later in the draft for sure. But he's not going to stop them from drafting one of those top tier tight ends. And there are blue chip prospects at tight end this year. So I'm really looking forward to that. Croft did have one full season as the Bengals starting tight end in 2017 when Tyler Eifert went down with an injury. He had 42 catches for 404 yards and seven touchdowns. And if the Bills could get that out of the tight end position, they'll be okay. Great. Um, especially if it's a complementary piece to, you know, a, a good wide receiver core like Croft was for AJ Green or something like that in Cincinnati. Onto the wide receivers, where I didn't anticipate the Bills going out and making a big splash. Um, I wanted them to add one of the top flight wide receivers like DK Metcalf in the 2019 NFL draft, but, but Buffalo came through nonetheless. I didn't think there were enough exciting wide receivers to go around, but Buffalo didn't just tell me I was wrong. They landed two of them. Uh, Cole Beasley, the intriguing slot receiver from the Dallas Cowboys and John Brown, the speedster from the Baltimore Ravens who flirted with Buffalo last year before ultimately signing with Joe Flacco's Baltimore Ravens. Brown's production dropped dramatically when Lamar Jackson came into the offense in Baltimore. He's going to be a guy that really is going to like Josh Allen. I think uh, Brown is a guy that likes to take the top off the defense and and get those bombs. Allen is a guy that loves hanging in the pocket and throwing those bombs. So put Robert Foster on one side, John Brown on the other, and you know whichever way the safety shades, go the other way. It, it could be a really good combination for them. And then having Beasley underneath, if you can clear everybody out, he's a really dangerous route runner and a guy that can create a lot after the catch he's very shifty can stop on a dime and he's a guy that i'm really excited about having because one of the things that the bills didn't have in 2018 was a guy that could gain separation they weren't getting open and so beasley is a guy that can absolutely do that so i really like the way that they've kind of reworked the wide receiver room just like with a tight end, I don't think that this was going to preclude them from drafting a wide receiver like D. Metcalf, but at least it, it doesn't force them to draft a wide receiver like D.K. Metcalf. They've got talented NFL caliber wide receivers on the um, offense now. They've got Zay Jones. They've got uh, John Brown, Cole Beasley in the slot, Robert Foster as your fourth wide receiver, where I think he fits actually the best. And then Isaiah McKenzie is your little, I don't know, gadget player or something like that. I mean, they have a legit top five, and that's not with, without even counting guys like Duke Williams and the other guys that are on the roster a little bit further down. So if they don't do anything else to address the wide receiver core between now and the start of the 2019 season, I think well, they'll still be okay, which is not something I could have said just a few days ago. Let's get to the rest of the signings. While I 
wasn't being shy that the Bills needed offensive line depth. I just expected them to go about it a different way. I expected them to get it in the 2019 NFL draft. And instead, they went out and signed two more offensive linemen. And that's, of course, in addition to Spencer Long, who we've already talked about, who they signed a few weeks ago. But they had John Feliciano from the Oakland Raiders, an interior depth player, a guard that has been kind of that borderline top interior reserve able to start a few games for you and play well. And then Ty and Sika who uh, played for the Washington Redskins is a very capable swing tackle, very capable guy who can step in and start for you if needed. And earlier when I said, I wasn't sure what was going to happen on the offensive line. This is why they've got two guys that could be penciled in as starters in Sika and Feliciano. I don't know if they're going to put Feliciano ahead of White Teller at left guard. I don't know if they're just counting on Feliciano to be a backup and maybe, I don't know, supplant Teller at some point if Teller kind of falls on his face. I just don't know what's going to happen. And we also don't know how much he signed for. So it's kind of up in the air. And Sika signed for a pretty considerable amount of money. He's going to be in their plans but it could be as a starter at left tackle and move Deion Dawkins to the right tackle or even left guard. It could be Nsika starting at right tackle and keeping Dawkins at left tackle. Or it could be just they're drafting a guy and they draft a left tackle or right tackle and just hope that Nsika is going to be their swing tackle and, and be the backup. I don't really know. But they spent a good chunk of money on three offensive linemen to come actually four when you take into account long. They spent a lot of money on four offensive linemen to really solidify what was a black hole on the Bills roster and completely revamp the guys that were standing in front of Josh Allen every single play. It's a really smart move because now Buffalo isn't desperate. They aren't desperate to draft a tackle like they were last year to draft a quarterback. They aren't desperate to draft an offensive guard because they have all those positions covered. If if some someone falls at one of those positions, they're not going to be stopped now because they've got depth all over the place and they can just take the best player available if you know one of those tackles falls to the second round that was supposed to go in the top half of the first round or something like that. So they've really got themselves into a really nice position when it comes to the 2019 NFL draft, specifically on the offensive line, because now they have flexibility to maybe wait until the second, third, fourth round to add some of those depth options or potential starters or just snag a guy if he's falling. So Nsika and Feliciano are, are super solid signings. They've been getting a lot of uh, credit for them around the analytics world because they don't play a ton of snaps. So guys don't have a, a whole lot of like opinions on them, but the analytics guys who watch every snap do. And uh, they've been really complimentary of both Feliciano and Nsika on the offensive line for the Buffalo Bills. Two depth signings, maybe starters, who knows? last but not least let's talk about the ageless wonder frank gore this one is really puzzling to me i have no idea why the bills want three players over the age of 30 at running back i had said the bills were going to draft a running back and they probably still are going to um Maybe Gore is here to replace Chris Ivory. Maybe he's here as insurance. Maybe he's here, I don't know, to teach Josh Allen something. I just, it doesn't make sense to me that they would have three running backs over the age of 30. You would think it might mean that they are 
able to trade LaShawn McCoy maybe, but I just don't see the, I don't see the market materializing for him, for a guy like him. Uh, after his down year last year, I just, it's a really strange signing. I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm thrilled to have Gore on the team. He's, by all accounts, a classy guy, a hard worker, still has something left in the tank. It just it seems like a strange signing because of the other 30-year-old running backs that they have on the roster, and they would seem to have one too many aging running backs. Um, I'm not completely discounting Marcus Murphy going forward. I just think they're going to add somebody in the draft to kind of take over for LaShawn McCoy when he leaves, and it's not going to be Frank Gore. So I just I really don't know where they're headed with that. But um, I'm sure we'll figure something out a little bit later when everything is revealed. Last but not least, I wanted to tackle the Antonio Brown trade rumors and the Odell Beckham Jr. trade rumors. I do think that the Bills were probably more involved than they were letting on in in both of those trade deals, specifically the Brown deal, um, it just makes a ton of sense that the Bills had something in place with Brown's agent, or excuse me, with um, the Steelers, and then Brown's agent, or Brown himself, blew up the deal eventually. Uh, just the way it came out, the way that the story was reported, and and then you get all this back talk at the end where Brandon Bean's like, oh, we were never really that interested. Everything ended on Tuesday. It just it doesn't make a whole lot of sense that that would happen. And then you get after the fact, and this happened after the Odell Beckham non-trade too, you get people inside the Bills organization calling Tim Graham and John Warrow of the Associated Press, and of course Tim's with The Athletic. I didn't say that, but calling them and saying, oh, it was never really a big thing. It was just more smoke than it was fire and all this other stuff. And, and I'm not doubting their sources, but I'm doubting the sources' um, motives. And so I I just think that the Bills were more interested in both of those players than they're letting on. And they probably had a deal in place to land Antonio Brown until Brown kind of swooped in at the last minute and said, I ain't playing in Buffalo. And um, it just makes sense that that's what happened we don't have to like it, but it's it's hard not to at least understand where he's coming from. Being able to play with you know a more established quarterback, a more established offensive guy in John Gruden, and just being able to play in a you know a different town. Buffalo hasn't won anything for twenty years, and it's really difficult to say that you know coming to Buffalo you're guaranteed to to do well or something like that. So it's it's at least understandable. And as much as I love Buffalo and think it, the the team is a team on the rise, Josh Allen's got to prove that he's the guy before anyone's going to really want to come play here. The Buffalo Bills still have plenty of salary cap space to use. So we firmly anticipate that they will sign at least one or two other guys over the course of the next week between this podcast and the next podcast send us your questions at 716-508-0405 24 hours a day seven days a week it's always open always willing to take your voicemails you can send us tweets at rumblings q a on twitter emails at buffalo rumblings at sbnation.com 
leave comments in the show notes. There's plenty of stuff to get through on free agency, where the bills go from here, uh, the 2019 NFL draft, and a lot more as we continue into the off season. Thanks for tuning in. Give us a subscription, give us some feedback and um, tell your friends about us because we are always looking to expand our reach. It really helps us go bills. Thank you.